0: Since I've been in Australia, especially Perth, I have been so thirsty. Are you people thirsty a lot around here? I've never remember being this thirsty here. I don't think I have diabetes. I've eaten enough sweets. If I would have had, I would have been comatose by now. But I have been extremely thirsty. It's easy to get dehydrated here. This heat is intense, and it's dry. I want to talk to you today about the importance of water, and I don't like water at all. I'd rather drink soda. I love McDonald's Diet Cokes. They have a special solution. It's special to McDonald's. In the United States, you can get a huge drink for $1.89. cents. And I visit it often because I'm raising my grandchildren, and I need caffeine. That's just the way it is. Water doesn't give me that kick. Now, when I'm working, I can't drink carbonated beverages. When I'm working, I'm sweating so much. What do you need? Got to have water. I don't need to tell you the health benefits of water, and I'm going to talk to you about it today, but I'd like to tell you what happens if you're not drinking enough. These are the signs of dehydration. Headache delirium, confusion. That means you can see things that aren't there. And if you're really dehydrated out in the desert, you can see springs and lakes, and and you could be eating sand because you're delirious and you can't see clearly. You could be tired, tiredness and fatigue, dizziness, weakness, lightheadedness, dry mouth and or a dry cough. Are you getting thirsty yet? You will when I open this bottle and take a big swig, and I'm getting ready to do that. I'm sorry, because talking about it, Matthew, will you open the bottle? I took my husband's bottle. I got a bottle over there. I've gone through so much water, I've supported the Australian economy. It's unbelievable. That's not the only thing. A high heart rate, your heart's pounding, but a low blood pressure, loss of appetite, don't want to eat but maybe you're craving sugar, and we all know that's not good for us. Flushed red skin, swollen feet, muscle cramps, and heat intolerance or chills. That sounds serious, doesn't it? And it's very easy for little children and old people to get dehydrated because they don't drink enough and they're not conscious of themselves. It's also easy to do without water spiritually. And the impact on your heart and mind and the way you perceive your life is greatly affected by how much water you drink. I'm not talking about this water. I'm talking about the living water Jesus promised. And I want to read that scripture real quickly in John because we are a Bible-based church, and if we don't use the Bible, then you're just hearing a speech. And you can go hear a speech at one of the clubs in town. And, and if we're not talking about the Bible while we're eating our scones, then you're just in a social club. But this is a church, and we are seeking for water here. We are looking for water. John 7 and 38, and I'll probably go through it again. He that believeth on me. And this morning your pastor talked about the power of faith. And those people that believed on him were not believing for water. They came to him. They wanted their boy saved. The woman that came who had a a demon-possessed daughter, which doctors would describe as a psychiatric disorder. We don't talk about demons. We say you have a psychosis. But the point is... She came to Jesus and she wasn't asking for water either. She was looking for an answer for her daughter. The woman with the issue of blood wasn't asking for water. She was looking for a miracle in her body. And all of these people believed on him. Everybody starts with a measure of belief. If I were to ask this audience how many of you are Christians, I dare say that the majority of you would raise your hands and say, I am. But we believe on Jesus for more than healing in the body and deliverance. He said, John seven thirty eight. this is the end of all belief and the beginning of it. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Who ever heard of such a thing? First of all, out of your belly, if you take that literally, that sounds like somebody's going to be vomiting up water. That is not what he meant. The belly is the seat of your passion. It's where you're hungry. So he used the term belly to describe the place where you are so hungry and thirsty. That you are searching I want you to remember that scripture as we go back into the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 17 and 18. If you have a Bible or you have a phone or you have a piece of paper or you don't mind writing in your Bible, I've marked up so many Bibles. This is important because God knows that just like bodies need water, so do souls. Isaiah says, when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Verse 18, I will open rivers in high places, fountains, In the midst of the valleys, I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I'm not talking about people that don't have a tap in their home. I'm talking about people whose souls are parched. And Jesus, through Isaiah, said there's a certain kind of person that's going to be looking for water people who are poor and needy. Now, I'm going to tell you that it's not a compliment to say that you have a needy friend. Most people are not interested in needy people because it's like a black hole you can never fill. It doesn't matter how much you give, they can't be satisfied. I suggest to you that people who are in that category are poor and needy. And the Bible translates the word poor from the Aramaic into English, meaning afflicted. That means they've got trouble. They're humble. They don't think much of themselves. They're lowly. They don't occupy a status, a position of status. They are needy and they are poor. That means they don't have resources. And the Bible said that needy It's specified because I looked it up to see what does that mean. I know what it means in 2023 to be needy, but I wanted to know what the prophet meant when he said it in Aramaic. What does needy mean? Subject to oppression. That means people pick on you. And abuse. That means you feel heaviness because of your life. Needing help, deliverance from trouble, And then this, especially as delivered by God, which means you are in such a circumstance that there is no help that man can give you. And then finally it says, general reference to the lowest class. I doubt very much today that anybody would stand up and say, I am a low class person. That would be shameful. Most of us are trying to rise from a low class. We certainly don't want to be told that's what we are. But these are the people who are desperate for water. The Lord said, when those poor and needy seek, I the God, I the God of Israel, I the Lord, He said, their family doesn't hear them. Their colleagues don't hear them. You cannot see soul thirst on someone's face. You can observe it in their behaviors. You can observe it in their countenance. You can observe it in their attitudes. You can observe it in the way they respond to life. Deep, dark, low, oppressed. Sixteen times in the book of Psalms, David talked about the poor and the needy, and he said he was poor and needy. This is the little shepherd boy that became the king. Clearly, having stuff does not mean you're not poor and needy. Psalms 72 and 12, David, the little shepherd boy who became the king, said, He shall deliver the needy when he crieth the poor also, and him that hath no helper. God's eye and ear looks toward people who are poor and needy and are looking for a solution. Psalm 109 and 22, David himself said, I am poor. I'm in a situation that I don't have resources to meet. I am needy. My need is driving me. I I am not satisfied. I am driven. And I want you to know that God has a special place in his heart for poor and needy people. In fact, he said in the New Testament, blessed are the poor. There's is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not some place way up yonder. He identified that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness. Do you know why it's important that it's righteousness? Because poor and needy people are often that way because other people have been stealing from them and throwing them down. Poor and needy children are probably raised by poor and needy parents. And it's unfortunate but true that many times grown-ups who are poor and needy mistreat little children who are also poor and needy. It's a sad but true thing. So when the Lord said, poor people, you're, you're going to get a kingdom, righteousness. Not only am I going to teach you how to do right, but I'm going to do right on your behalf. It's important to be treated righteously. And he knows that poor and needy people aren't. The next thing he promised the poor and the needy, I'm going to give you peace. Poor and needy people don't know peace. They don't have it. They can't find it. And they're being starved of what they need to thrive and grow emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And sometimes these bodies are so holistic, That when a child or an adult is starved of water that comes from heaven, their bodies are affected. It's possible. I'm talking about people who are looking for water. I looked up what it means to seek because I wanted to make sure I understood what Isaiah the prophet was saying. People who are seeking water are looking for life-giving, life-sustaining refreshment. And what's so pitiful about everything the world offers when you're under pressure as an adult, first of all, it's going to cost your money. And let's be real, your money is blood. Every dollar that you make means that you spent some amount of time in a transaction with somebody who really doesn't care a thing for you, but you have made a transaction with them. I'll do this for you and you give me money because I need money to buy food, to buy clothes for a place to live. I need money for shelter. I have to have it so I am willing to spend minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years of my life for you to give me what I need to survive. I may not enjoy it. It may not be fun. It's a perk if it is. But whether I like my work or I hate it, I have to do it because I can't survive without those things it purchases. That doesn't sound like a very peaceful situation. Poor people, he said... I am going to give you peace. And then in this kingdom for those who are seeking and looking for something to satisfy, who have discovered that new clothes wear out and that new anything gets old. We have a saying in the United States, I don't know if you do, the new has worn off. How long after Christmas are your children going to cherish the toys that you bought with your hard earned blood, sweat, and maybe tears, they're gonna be delighted and elated for about five to ten to fifteen minutes until it loses its novelty. And there's nothing worse than to buy a bunch of gifts for a baby for her first Christmas and find out she's more interested in the wrapping paper. Ever done that? Been there. I'm trying to show regard to a little thing who's more interested in when the next bottle is. She doesn't care about the toys. She's living very close to neediness. And he promised that those who are looking, poor and needy, will find joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. I think it would almost be worth it to be poor and needy to receive what God is giving in exchange. He says, these people are looking for water. They're not looking for Diet Coke. And poor, needy people don't have a lot of drink options. In fact, poor and needy people would be satisfied with just clean water. When you're thirsty, don't bring me hot tea. Don't bring me a latte. That's a social drink. That's for sipping and having fun with a friend down at the cafe. But when I'm thirsty and my head aches, and I'm dizzy, and I'm confused. There's only one thing that will satisfy my need, water. And the Lord said there's going to be a group of people for whom diet Cokes and milk and all the other distractions, the thousands of drinks that you can go and buy down at Kohl's. I don't have the money to shop at Kohl's. I'm just looking for free water. I don't have money to buy all those fruity drinks. I can't buy kombucha. I can't spend a bunch of money on a six-pack or a 12-pack. I can't even afford bottled water. I'm just looking. And the Lord said, those people who walk into my house, which he promised would become a source of water. He said, I myself, I'm going to hear them. He said, let me tell you something else about these people. Their tongue fails. I've never seen, I don't want to see, I've seen some pictures, but I can't bear to think of somebody in my proximity who is so thirsty that their tongue is swollen. But I know that toward the end, before death, if they don't get water, their tongues will swell up till they're thick in their mouth. And guess what? They can't even talk. There are some situations when people are so thirsty for what God has to offer and they don't know it that they can't even articulate what's wrong with them. And the Bible said when these poor, needy people start searching, For water and their tongue fails, which means they may not be able to tell you, I am in desperate need. I feel like I'm going to die. I am so lonely. I am so empty. I am so distressed. I can't even speak. The Lord said, I will hear how could he possibly hear what has not been vocalized? And I know this, I have never had my tongue that thick, but I can tell you there have been times. He's talking about people that would sound like this. You can't hear it. But God, He hears what's going on here. And I suspect this morning there are some muted cries for help in this room. Nobody has screamed. And nobody has flung themselves to the front. But God sees people who are just barely surviving. He hears, you may look wonderful and this whole congregation looks lovely. Everybody's washed and clean and dressed, but that is not how God sees us this morning. He said, I hear you. I hear your heart tapping out S-O-S-S. O-S. Oh, yes. God hears more than words. God hears thoughts. God hears feelings. God hears moanings and groanings. And he hears desperation. And he hears what no one can even see. There's a story in the Bible that's perfect about this. It's Genesis 21, verses 14 through 19, and I'm not going to tell it to you, but maybe maybe Sophia will put it up and you can make sure I'm telling the truth. Abraham and Sarah had an argument. They had family problems, and Sarah didn't get pregnant like God had promised them, and she was getting antsy and aggravated. And I don't know who did it first. I don't know if Abraham was putting pressure on her, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what, being 99 and 100 and trying to conceive a child, I think that's a pressure situation. And she finally just said, look, here's Hagar. It's ridiculous. Just take her. Go get a son from her. And she set up a a triangle in that family trying to solve a problem that was going to resonate. And then right after that, the Holy Ghost visited her and she did conceive. And then there was a clash between Ishmael and Isaac and Sarah got up and said, Abraham, this is your fault. This happened. We don't know the backstory, but she was blaming and shaming him. And he said, she said, get her out of here. Now I have a problem with that whole concept, but as your pastor said, God doesn't explain things. I don't think the Lord told her go give Hagar to your husband, different cultural time. I don't think God was trying to get in their business and say, unless you do it, exactly as I say, you're done, okay, you had Hagar. That's over. I'm not giving you a baby. Wrong. God got into their mess. And and Abraham said, I, I can't believe she's asking me to send that child away. That's my son and that woman. And you know what the Lord said to Abraham, man up, Bucky. Give her some food, give her some water, send her. Your child from that woman cannot be with your boy. That cuts. That cuts. I'd have trouble with that. And so out she went. Nobody asked us to give our opinion. The reality is life happens in families even when God's trying to work with them. And out she went. And before long, she lost her way as we all do. The water was already gone. And she knew what was going to happen. Out in the desert was just a matter of time. You have a need, son, that I can't meet. I cannot bear to watch you die. I could take one of these children here and bring it home, but it'd traumatize all of us, especially in our current world situations where children are being traumatized as we speak. Do you understand what I'm saying to you as adults? She laid him under a tree. She said, son, just lay down over here. And she went off and she leaned against a little place that she found and watched him. (sighs) She sees the symptoms. She knows he's dying from a lack of water. I don't have any. I don't even have enough spit to spit in his mouth and tell him swallow I can't generate any kind of water myself. And this child that I love, my boy, is going to die because I don't have water and I can't tell him where to go get it. A lot of people say, I don't believe this and I don't want your God and I'm not interested. But let me tell you, you are not on the journey alone. you got somebody who's going to suffer the consequences of your actions and my actions. I have to wake up at some times when people are dehydrated. They can't even see what's around them. They can't see their own children. They can't see the danger of striking out and not being in a group and not knowing where you're going and not have an extra. They can't see the benefit of being in a tribe and they strike out because somebody heard them or said go and she went and she had no other recourse but to watch him die. Except God saw what Hagar could not see. I don't believe the child had enough spit in his mouth. But somewhere, maybe that tongue was swollen up. And I couldn't bear it as a parent either. I couldn't bear to watch it. I could not but somehow she had enough water in her body that she wasn't going to die before him. I think she was on a death watch. I'm going to stay alive till he draws his last breath, and then I'm going to give up. I don't want him to die alone. And an angel came to her. Why? Because she had a connection with somebody who knew somebody. It really does matter who you know. Even poor people have been offered the opportunity to drink. God said, I hear poor and needy people. The government doesn't hear them. Their neighbors don't hear them. Their parents don't hear them. Sometimes little kids find water before their parents do because they're dying of thirst. And God said, before I watch that boy die, I will bring him myself to a well. I'll pull on his tender heart and I will give him a drink of living water to give him hope in his circumstance. Even if his parents can't see it. I'll open his eyes. And the boy cried. And the angel came to her and said, why are you crying? I have heard your boy. I can tell you what she was crying about. Abraham did me wrong. Abraham crushed me. I'll never forgive I won't forget what he did to me. Hagar, woman, you have a more important problem than revenge. If you don't find water, both of you are going to die. Vengeance is mine, Hagar. I'll repay. I'll, I'll correct Abraham for what he did. Why are you crying? I know why he's crying. Why are you crying, Ishmael? Ishmael didn't have the strength to say my dad has crushed me. My dad's killing me. My nephew whose father did crush him. Whose father did divorce his mother. Who remarried at least two or three times. And my nephew couldn't get over daddy. You left us. You left us alone and we were poor. And he came to my house and God had visited him. And and he came to my house and for an hour he raged. My daddy doesn't know what he did to me. And every time I try to tell him he shuts down. And I said, Jason, I have listened to you for a solid hour. I know your dad did you wrong, but I want you to know the man that wounded you does not have the power to heal you. You need a drink. You're losing your mind because you're dying of thirst. And he listened to me and he threw himself down in the couch. And it wasn't ten minutes before a river opened up. And that boy began to drink and the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. I want you to lift your hands right now. Water, 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 water. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes people are cruel and get in the way of poor people. I had a student who came from a broken home. Her daddy was an alcoholic and her parents belonged to a certain church. And he said it himself, I had rather that she be an alcoholic than go to that church. And I was like, you have lost your mind because of your pride. You are saying I had rather sacrifice the life of my own child than to give her the opportunity to drink. I don't want anybody to know how poor we are. He died an alcoholic, and she went off the rails. But she tasted water. She's reached out to me occasionally. Her life is a train wreck. But she knows what she felt. No condemnation, no criticism, nothing but drink, baby. Here, come on, open your mouth. Why are you crying, Hagar? I heard him. I know why he's crying. Tell me what your problem is. You're both in the same boat, but you're asking for the wrong thing. And then he said to her, there's a well over here. Go to the well. She drug herself. I don't know why. How much drink she had, but I'll guarantee you she took her hands and she started digging. I don't know that she had anything. Maybe she broke a pot and took a piece of pottery and started digging in that dry earth. I've got to hurry, my boy. My boy's got to have water. Aren't you ashamed? to Look at how you're doing. Jesus, please come to my house. My little boy is dying. If you believe on me, I can give your son water, but guess what? I can give it to you too. You can both drink and be satisfied five. Lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. Verse 19. She heard him and because she heard him, he opened her eyes. You may not like me, You may not like what I'm saying. I am fronting for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm reading straight from his book. She didn't get offended. She didn't get offended because he didn't talk about Abraham and Sarah. She didn't get offended. She cut right down to the chase. My boy needs water. I need water. I want to raise him till he's a man. And God said, because you heard me, I'm going to make him a great nation. What about Abraham? Forget about him. I heard you. I heard you. I'm going to make you a promise. Now I want to tell you something. Go back to Isaiah, Sophia. Isaiah 41 and 18, this moves me deeply. He said, I, the God of Israel, he said, I want you to know who's talking to you. I'm the author of the book. I hear you. Verse 18, this moves me. He didn't call him the Army Corps of Engineers. He didn't say in six months I'll have fresh water. He said, I will open rivers in high places. Sometimes, because of life, circumstances, I don't know, I I can't even tell you, people find themselves stranded in a high place, alone and dying of thirst. I think there are probably executives who make lots and lots of money and find themselves in a lonely place at the top of their game. And they get up there, and they didn't know there are no trees. And no houses. And the wind blows constantly, and they are alone and lonely. And everything the world gives dulls the pain, but it never addresses it. It only can take away the edge, but it never removes the cliff. And the Lord said, some of these poor, needy people, I don't know how they got there, just like sheep who wander off and don't know where they're going. They find themselves high and alone. We call it high and dry. He said, I'm not going to make them crawl on glass. Give great sums of money. I'm not gonna make them do philanthropy. I see them where they are. If they acknowledge me, because I surely have knowledge them, I'm gonna open a river. You don't even have to walk six inches right where you are. Water. And he said it's gonna be fast moving because you're at a high place and that water's going to flow down so wherever you are maybe you feel alone in your experience maybe maybe you're trapped in your job maybe you, who knows what is a high place it's a forbidding place that other people can't get to the lord said i'm going to open a river and you're going to be able to drink And then the next thing he said, not everybody's going to be in a high place. Some people who are poor and needy are going to be someplace else. They're going to be in the middle of a valley, just the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's so funny that people look and go, if I were on that mountain, I'd have everything I need. And the guy on the mountain is saying, if I were in that valley where you are, I'd be up much better off. And the truth is, the only thing that unites them is they're all looking and they all need water. And he said, I'm going to go into that valley. He didn't say I'm going to make a river. He said, I'm going to make a fountain. Why? Why a fountain? Why not a river? Because valleys are low places. And I think maybe when people are in low places, maybe they can't see so well. Maybe it's kind of dark down there. So all of a sudden you're walking and suddenly there opens up something going vertical. And maybe maybe you just have enough strength to get down to the top of the fountain. Oh, so good. So Good. So good, so whether you're high or whether you're low, if you want water down, you must go. A fountain in a valley. Now some people are not in a valley. They're someplace else. For everybody who says, you don't know me and you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. I don't know your name and I don't know your, fame to, your claim to fame, and I don't know why you're needy. But God knows where you are. Somebody's in the wilderness where there's nothing man made, nothing but sky and rocks, no structures. It's just mile after mile of sand and rock and scrub brush and bottle brushes and dirt. This is where my family dropped me off. This is my life. I've always lived in this wild place. I'm probably going to die here if somebody doesn't help me. And while I'm talking, the Lord says, I'm going to make a pool. And I visualized that poor soul just falling face first into it. Just enough strength to let the water cover parched lips. Dry skin. In the last place, he said, the wilderness and then dry land. You can have dry land in your front yard. And he said in that dry place. I'm going to let you look at what water looks like going vertical in a place you never dreamed it. Look at that. It's an artesian well. And Jesus said to me, "You're a high place. To me, you're a valley. To me, you're a wilderness, and to me, you are dry land. In you, If you believe on me, where you got stranded, I will come and I will bring you life-giving water. I want you to bow your hands. And if you would, close your eyes. The first step is always the hardest because we're proud. Poor and needy people know how to get humble. Poor needy people know that if they don't make a change, they know they're going to have trouble. I just want you to listen to me for a minute. Sometimes through no fault of your own, you feel like a tree that has been cut down to a stump. Maybe you had a wonderful walk with God at one time. Maybe there were springs coming out of you. Maybe you even had a ministry. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about you. You say, well, you haven't described me. It's not a high place. It's not a low place. It's not a dry place. It's not a wild place. I grew once, and then life happened, and I have been cut down to the ground. The book of Job, verse 14 Chapter 14, 7 through 9 says, There is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. Though the root is old in the earth and the stock of it dies, it's so dry that it no longer hears, feels, sees, or produces anything toward God, yet through the scent of water. It will bud. Just the smell. <sighs> I smell water in the house. I smell water. You say I'm dried up. I'm old. I've lost my walk with God. I I've, I've, There's no hope for me. Through the scent of water. It will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Revelation 22 and 17 says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hear it say, come. And let him that's thirsty, God, I'm going to die. I can't drink enough. I can't take enough drugs. I cannot satisfy what's going on in me. I am going to die. I've got to have something. And the spirit says, come. And the church says, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And anybody whom I did not identify in this house, come if you will, and take the water of life freely. And my last scripture in the book of Acts, he said, Repent. Say you're sorry of all the stuff you've done that has removed you from water. You don't owe me any explanation for your life. I'm not interested in hearing your confession. But the God who made you, who loves you, and right now I'm making an appeal. If you're thirsty, now, now, now means this instant, now means come. Now means walk up. Now means find a place Uh, down here on your knees. Now means I'm thirsty. Now means I may have received the Holy Ghost, but I am dry as a bone. Now means I'm irritable at everybody, and I'm I'm thirsty, I'm needy, I'm grouchy, I'm hurting. I, I know I need something. What is it? You need water. The doctor's in the house, and he's diagnosed the problem. You need a drink. Come, 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 come. And he said, Repent. And be converted. He said, I want you to turn and change that your sins may be blotted out. Yeah, but I'm in the church. I don't need this. I got five people sitting on either side of me. They haven't received the Holy Ghost. They need it. I got news. Everybody needs it. I'd like you to stand. He said, repent that your sins may be blotted out. When times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I feel like there's a time of refreshing. Saints, would you lift your hands right now? I want you to lift your hands right now. This is a safe place. Nobody judges anybody. If you're thirsty, I'm inviting you to come forward and receive water for your thirsty soul. People who have been traumatized and walked a long way. Nobody blames them for being thirsty. They're on the run from war. Nobody says, what did you do to deserve this? Nobody says. when little children are dying of thirst. No one says, what would your mom and daddy do? Somebody runs with a bucket and a barrel and a ladle. Open your little lips and let me give you some water. Oh, Jesus.